this whistleblowing I did was just about the embezzlement of the assets of a bank in Latvia. So it seemed like something about Latvia, and it seemed to be something about Russia as well, because they were laundering money for Russia. But the way that this has scaled up and has new connections, including connections to the American government, is uh, really mind-boggling. I don't think the development banks have done anything good since the Soviet Union collapsed. I mean, I think they've made everything worse in all of those countries. And this EBRD is no exception. I mean, one thing for sure that they're doing is they do these deals where the poor countries lose. There are intransparent deals that reverse back again, where it makes the country seem like it has made a good deal. It has privatized something for a big price, but it's not really true because it reverses back at even a higher price so that the poor countries lose even more money and they're even poorer than they were in the beginning. So it's, it's the opposite of a development bank. It's just making the countries worse. With the global economy being in shambles and central bankers moving towards a reset, it's never been a better time to protect your wealth by owning precious metals. Contact Andy at milesfranklin.com. Tell him Sarah sent you. He promised me he will guarantee you the lowest price anywhere in the country. Remember, email Andy at milesfranklin.com and tell him Sarah sent you. It's never been a better time to protect your future than now. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have John Christmas coming back to the program. He was a whistleblower that discussed the looting of the whole Ukrainian treasury from the Latvia banking system that he was a whistleblower from. But he was talking about just the money laundering from criminal mob gangs and the Russian government. Now he's coming back and they have uncovered the fact that these this banking system and the development banks created by the IMF, the biggest shareholder being the United States government, they're showing the pattern of fraud across 70 countries and how they're defrauding all these countries and the money laundering and it's just the craziness and how they use this as a pattern of abuse and money laundering. Also how it's tied into the whole Green New Deal, the biggest scam that they're perpetrating on the world that we've ever seen and the money laundering behind that. This for sure is an interview the top bankers do not want you to hear. It's something that we should all know and we have to break down. We really need to end the whole Federal Reserve System, the IMF, the World Bank. We need to fix all that. We don't want to be under a criminal cartel gang and that we need to take back our ownership of our own money. And the whole world needs that because literally these people are mobsters and that's who's running things. And he's going to lay it out for you and how it all works. He has a book called KGB Banker that just won all these awards as the best conspiracy thriller of 2022. And so if you're looking for a good Christmas gift, that may be one uh, because it really does show you how this system works. He, the characters are fictional and he didn't want it to point back to any person that was real, but he pretty much shows you how the world works in those banking systems, but he's taking it to another level and he's come to the realization that it's much deeper. This is a good conversation that I hope you listen to both parts. It's long. 
I'm having a really long conversation. It's really difficult to do a short interview and really get to the crux of what it is that we need to talk to. These issues are complex. They're not something that we can just talk about in 10 minutes and people can really get an understanding and a good gist of what's going on. And so that's why these are longer. And I hope you really get a lot out of these interviews. Before I get into it, I want to remind you about the Christian Healthcare Ministries healthcare that I'm sharing. I think you'll do your family a big service by at least looking into it. I saved about a thousand dollars a month when I switched my whole family. We're self-employed, my husband and I, and so our healthcare is through the roof. We wanted something that was outside the system. I was sick of being in those groups and I want to be able to select my own doctors and I don't want to have to pay 2000 a month or whatever else you have to pay. And so this is a much more reasonable, affordable healthcare solution. You can go to any doctor you want. I really highly recommend. I'll have the link below so that you can uh, check it out. I know this is the time that everybody looks for their healthcare. So just look at that if you're in the market for healthcare, because I think you will uh, do your family a big service with that one. Okay, so let's get into this two-parter. This is part one, and look for the second part with whistleblower, banking whistleblower, John Christmas. Hi, John. Welcome back to the program. Hello, Sarah. Uh, Happy to be invited again. I think we had a great talk last time, and I look forward to this time. Well, (laughs) you are exposing some of the biggest fraud and criminal syndicates on the planet right now. And probably the most um, impacting, the last time we talked, we talked about the Ukrainian treasury being laundered in full when they brought it down to like 50 bucks. It's around there. It's within a couple dollars from the Latvia bank that your your system, that you are a whistleblower, you work there, and we exposed that last time. And all the ties to Hunter Biden and to Putin and now to John Kerry. And it's just incredible the amount of fraud that this group is doing. And they're using these banking systems in these smaller countries, aren't they? Well, something for sure that I didn't realize at the time I did this whistleblowing, this whistleblowing I did was just about the embezzlement of the assets of a bank in Latvia. So it seemed like something about Latvia. And it seemed to be something about Russia as well, because they were laundering money for Russia. But the way that this has scaled up and has new connections, including connections to the American government, is uh, really mind-boggling. Well, because we know that Biden has a big crime, you know, he's a crime family. We know Hunter Biden was on the Burisma board. We know Burisma, I had a whistleblower that she was a senior financial exec, executive at Burisma, was going to, had all the names, was going to come out as a, she was going to be anonymous whistleblower on my site. They figured out who she was before she came out on my site. They just about killed her, sodomized her. I mean, it was terrible. And there was a group led by um, Dugan, John Dugan, got her out of Ukraine into Russia, into a hospital and saved her life. But uh, I mean, this it, it's incredible how much they're how hard they're working to cover this up as well. So you coming out is very you're very, being very courageous here, which I um, want people to understand how serious the nature of these crimes are and what's on the line. But currently, it, well, let's let's talk a little bit about what we talked about last time, so people can get uh, 
kind of an overview of what we did. And also I need to make sure I talk about your book because you have a crime thriller that just reached number one in 2022, right? Number one. Well, on we won an award. We won an award from best thrillers. It's uh, I'm a co-author together with William Burton McCormick. And this is the book KGB banker. It's been very well received and we received a reward, a award from best thrillers for best conspiracy thriller of 2022. But it really was based on the truth, right? It was based on a lot of what you experienced. You put different names, different people, but it's true. Well, right? sure. The 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 underlying fraud, I mean, the book is a fictional thriller. So the characters and the scenes have been fictionalized. We didn't want to exactly connect uh, different people with real people who really exist. Um, but the underlying fraud where there is this mafia bank and the mafia bank is protected by a taxpayer funded development bank, this is true that this is actually happening. And the real story is about the looting of Latvia, the looting of Ukraine and the looting of Moldova. And the war right now is in Ukraine. The war could easily move into Moldova and Latvia in the future. It appears all of this is in real life connected with the Kremlin and is part of a strategy to weaken their neighbors, perhaps with the objective of attacking all three of them eventually. Well, okay, so the Kremlin is involved. And so, you know, but they had some realistic reasons to go to war against Ukraine. But the thing is, is there's always multiple agendas here. And the scary part, or the really awful part, is the United States, John Kerry, is also, and these development banks who are the biggest funders of them on the United States government, who is supposed to bring transparency to these banks, they're all involved. Well, sure. And this was, the way that I got this connection was when the news came out about Burisma and Hunter Biden. One of the details of that is a lobbyist in Washington who is named Sally Painter, and her lobbying firm is called Blue Star Strategies. And she's a fellow at the Atlantic Council. Which people can look uh, up. That lady was tied in with the Burisma and Hunter Biden thing that uh, she got subpoenaed or her firm did uh, in connection with Burisma and Hunter Biden. And I thought, wait a minute, I know that lady because she used to be the lobbyist for this mafia bank that I used to work for. And after the bank got looted and collapsed and after I got chased out of Latvia, she got promoted up to being lobbyist for the whole country of Latvia. They gave her a national award and she became lobbyist for the whole country, including also for one of the successor banks, ABLV Bank, which is the one that cooperated with Yanukovych to loot out Ukraine. So that lady is in Washington and she's connected with Burisma and she's also connected with the Latvian banks. And she was also a advisor for Clinton, right? One of the top advisors. Well, she boasts of her connections to the Democrats all the time. So at the time I met her years ago, uh, she was boasting of her close friendship with Hillary Clinton. But these days she boasts more about her close friendship with Joe Biden. So uh, she she very much identifies herself all the time as being connected with the Democrats. Didn't she get invited to help out with the Hunter Biden situation? Um. Exactly what she's doing right now, since she got subpoenaed, I don't know, maybe she's keeping a lower profile right now at the moment. But there are some things that I have seen that are details, like, for example, the bank statements from Rosemont Seneca, I, I received a copy of those and looked through them. And it's interesting that this ABLD bank 
which again is the one of the successors to my old bank, uh, was processing a lot of the payments that went into Rosemont Seneca's account at Morgan Stanley. Um, so this was what she was protecting. I mean, she was protecting, first of all, my bank that was called Parex, and then later this ABLV bank, and also the whole Latvian government, which is all behind these banks. Um, but it seemed to all connect in then with Hunter Biden. Yeah, and how did it connect? Yeah, because I remember... Discuss later with John Kerry as well now. No, oh, yeah, I want to talk about John Kerry because I think this ties into the because um, he's now the czar, the climate czar under Biden. He was the one that signed the Paris Agreement and the whole Green New Deal is we got to talk about the corruption underlying this whole Green New Deal. But the Hunter Biden thing, wasn't she brought in as an advisor for Burisma or something? I remember reading about her connection to Burisma. Well, there were a couple things. She somehow was involved with two things. One thing was getting a person who was a former high-ranking CIA official uh, onto the board of one of the Latvian money laundering banks. And then the other thing is that she somehow has been involved with Burisma for a long time. So uh, she's been a fellow at the Atlantic Council and also has her own lobbying firm. And she somehow got involved with Burisma a while ago. And her function is to try to improve the reputations of mafia companies. So apparently the way she did it with Burisma was by convincing Hunter Biden to uh, be on the board of Burisma. And uh, I'll say one thing about John Kerry. So then with this Rosemont Seneca company, uh, the co-founder besides Hunter Biden was Christopher Hines, who is the stepson of John Kerry. I'll say one thing in favor of Chris Hines is that I did read that when uh, Rosemont Seneca got involved with Burisma that he actually quit. I mean, that he didn't want to be involved with Burisma. So I'm not going to blame anything on Chris Hines because he correctly quit when they got involved with Burisma. Well, but, that might mean he's a, he's not a bad character. I mean, you don't know. But isn't um, Pelosi's son also involved in some of these things? I don't know about Pelosi's son. One interesting thing that I did come across is that Wikipedia, because I tried to, in preparation for this, to refresh my memory about Rosemont Seneca, look at the Wikipedia article, and something controversial has happened at Wikipedia, which is that they took down the article on Rosemont Seneca, saying that uh, it was going to breed conspiracy theories and that therefore they were not going to have a Wikipedia article about it anymore. Which which I found itself to be like a conspiracy <laughs> right there. That they, and for some reason, it's not on Wikipedia. Well, let's well, hide the truth just in case a new conspiracies come up. So let's hide the truth. It's like, come on. It's yeah, so but about Pelosi, I don't know up. if Pelosi has any connection. I mean, the old Wikipedia article just identified Chris Hines and Hunter Biden as being the founders of Rosemont Seneca. And it mentioned that Chris Hines dropped out of Rosemont Seneca at the time they started to do something with Burisma. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Okay, well, and you also uncovered with Sally Painter and all these people, you were trying to expose the massive corruption that was going on. You were working with the CBRD banks, right? Which are the banks that are supposed, did I say it right? EBRD, what it was, what's yeah, the right? EBRD, the European Bank for Reconstruction and Development is a big part of this. And this is uh, maybe a statement about the development banks generally. 
I don't think the development banks have done anything good since the Soviet Union collapsed. I mean, I think they've made everything worse in all of those countries. Can you and give the a brief, CBRD is no exception. Yeah. Can you give a brief overview of what they're supposed to do and what they are? Um, because they were created at the fall of the Soviet Union as a way to help build up. Demo tell, tell us what they are. Yeah, they, they were established in 1991, which is the same time that the Soviet Union broke up. And the idea of the EBRD is that it was supposed to help the former communist and former Soviet countries to reform themselves into democracies. So that was the objective of it. It's funded by a number of countries and it's located in London where it enjoys immunity from UK law. So oh, the I'm UK... Sure appears to have attracted the headquarters of the EBRD to their jurisdiction by granting it immunity from law, which in my opinion was a huge mistake that the UK did by doing that. Um, since that time, something really interesting about the EBRD is it's failed to make stable democracy in any of the countries that they're responsible for. Uh, but even though they've constantly failed everywhere, they keep getting assigned to more countries. So after the Arab Spring revolutions, they got assigned to a bunch of the Arab Spring countries. And also there are countries in Africa now that they're responsible for. So they keep getting more and more countries that they're responsible for, even though they failed at all the previous countries. And they keep bringing in more investors. And by now they have 70 countries, which are the shareholders in the EBRD. The United States is the largest single shareholder, but there are 69 other countries as well. And one of the reasons they seem to be attracting all of this is because they claim to be making big profits. So they make it seem like a country can invest in the EBRD and feel like it's doing a good thing to help democracy and at the same time make a profit from doing this. The problem is that the profit is not coming from what they say. If you look at their website, it looks like they're making loans to small farmers in poor countries and that this is how they're making money. Uh, they can't make profits like they do. They made 2 billion euros last year and they can't make that from making small loans to small farmers in poor countries. They get that from these fake bank deals they do where they go into a country and they sell their name to a corrupt bank where they say that we'll be a shareholder in this bank to improve the reputation of this bank. And uh, but we're not going to invest our own money. It needs to be done with the secret guarantee. So it reverses back. So uh, the best term for it, it, it's sort of similar to a company that hires a famous person to be on the board of directors, like Burisma hiring Hunter Biden to be on the board of directors to improve their reputation. But this is buying a shareholder. So if a company has a bad reputation and wants to get a respectable shareholder, and there's no respectable shareholder who actually would invest into that bank, then uh, what they do with the EBRD is they secretly pay the EBRD to pretend to invest. But this is a big no-no in banking. I mean, if someone invests, they're supposed to really invest. If they didn't really put their own money at risk, it means that they're a fake shareholder or a front shareholder, you could say. And that's what the EBRD is caught doing. Well, and my understanding is that because they're trying to do this great reset. And I know this this interview is not going there, but this is, the more research I do, it seems like this is one of the main ways they're getting into all the countries because they keep creating more of these banks. They're getting all into all the countries and that's how they're managing their new global economy and monetary system through these banks. 
Well, these development banks are multiplying. There, there's a lot of them in the world now, and people want to create even more of them. Uh, I suppose they're gold mines for corrupt people because they get a lot of money and then they can spread all this money around how they like. And if they're operating fraudulently, like the EBRD does, they can report huge profits as well, and they make it seem like this is cost-free. It's not really cost-free, because I would say that eventually these development banks are bound to collapse. The bondholders and the equity investors are going to find out that the money was lost. But for right now, if you look at their official statements, it seems like they're making money, and it seems like nobody is losing from this. And it's more when you get on the ground and see what they're actually doing. I mean, one thing for sure that they're doing is they do these deals where the poor countries lose. They're intransparent deals that reverse back again, where it makes the country seem like it has made a good deal. It has privatized something for a big price, but it's not really true because it reverses back at even a higher price so that the poor countries lose even more money and they're even poorer than they were in the beginning. So it's it's the opposite of a development bank. It's just making the countries worse. Yeah, they're looting small countries by doing this, but I think they're also using this model to implement their great or their um, digital currencies and everything they're doing in these small countries. It is um, very sad, but it is their like infrastructure they're creating and they're doing it with immunity in the city of London. Sure. And other ones as well, even the World Bank and the IMF were tied in in certain ways to the bailout of Parex Bank, which was where I was the whistleblower. And I think the entire development banking system is something that should be defunded and shut down. I think if more people understood what they really were doing, then then they would be shut down. So that this is part of my mission is to spread the word that the development banks are not really doing what they say they're doing. If you look at the EBRD website, you'll see hundreds of pages of propaganda about how they're rescuing all the poor people. They have all their buzzwords about equality and sustainability and transparency and democracy. Uh, but what they're doing is they're cheating these people and yes. the people yes. mostly don't realize it because the EBRD will do a deal in a country. The media will present it as a big rescue as that this is really good for the country. But it's not mentioned that it's not really good for the country because the country has to reverse it back later and uh, lose a lot of money when they reverse it back later. Well, OK, now how does IMF and the World Bank tie into this? I, I, my understanding is that this is their tool for doing these this the gig they're doing. But maybe you have a better way of explaining how they're tied in. Well, right away when Latvia, OK, at the beginning with my bank, Latvia made a large loan to the bank and the bank was always reporting profits. So it seemed if you looked at their official statements that everything was really great at this bank. Uh, the, the financial statements were not true, unfortunately. The government at one point surprised everybody by making a huge uh, loan to the bank, which was like a bailout loan, which didn't really make sense because according to the bank's financial statements, it didn't need a bailout loan. But they anyway made this huge bailout loan. Uh, the ratings agencies initially got uh, confused and worried about this and downgraded Latvia, so Latvia could not issue bonds uh, for a period of time. And uh, the World Bank and the IMF contributed money in a big bailout package to Latvia to make up for the fact that Latvia for a while could not issue bonds. And then this EBRD deal was done where the government of Latvia somehow uh, or at least announced that everything was okay at this bank and it was not really insolvent, 
by announcing that they had sold the stake in the bank to the EBRD, uh, which later turned out to be a fake transaction, secretly reversible. But anyway, at the point where they did that, uh, they did somehow get confidence from the markets that maybe this bank is okay and maybe Latvia is okay. And then Latvia was able to issue bonds and pay off the IMF and the World Bank. But uh, that really should not have happened because whoever bought all those bonds uh, got cheated because those bonds were issued fraudulently. Latvia was lying about the true condition of the national budget and the true condition of that bank that used to be the largest bank in Latvia. And this is how uh, they did it to uh, cheat the bondholders. And that's how and they do. Is this the pattern? I mean, is the World Bank of IMF bring these development banks in? They they create fraudulent transactions because the World Bank and IMF know this is going on and they use it on purpose in these countries. And and then Latvia now is actually beholden to this development bank and to the IMF and World Bank, right? I mean, they now they got them in this like blackmail kind of situation. Oh, sure. There's a lot of blackmail going on because the people, all the people who are the insiders involved, they know that this bank was looted. They know it was looted by organized crime groups linked to the Kremlin. And they know that they covered it up and they put all the losses to the bond investors. So sure, this is something uh, that all of them involved all have blackmail on each other because they all know that they've done this horrible thing. Now, I know a little bit more about the European connections than the American connections. Actually, the American Federal Reserve is not really involved with this, but who's involved is the European Central Bank. And what goes on in those people's heads, I cannot imagine. I mean, they have a track record. They did something previously with Greece, where Greece gave them false financial results for years and used this to get into the euro currency. So they were a member of the European Central Bank. And then they revealed that Greece's debt was actually much higher than they were reporting it to be. And then there was this financial meltdown in Greece and uh, problems for all of the bond investors in Greece. And I would think that they would have learned something from this. I mean, the ECB people let Greece defraud them, that the ECB people apparently knew that Greece was falsifying its national debt and they didn't care and they kept buying the bonds anyway. And now this is repeating because apparently the people at the ECB did not learn anything from the experience in Greece. And now they're doing it in other countries, including in Latvia, which is our focus country today, where uh, the main buyer of the bonds issued by Latvia is the European Central Bank. And the European Central Bank is aware that Latvia is using false accounting. So they're doing this all over again. Yeah, so and we have we've seen it at least a smaller country than Greece, but in a way this is worse because this one is connected with the Kremlin. Greece, I think, was not connected with the Kremlin, but the one in Latvia, for sure, this is connected with the Kremlin. And Ukraine. I mean, this is where they wandered all the Ukrainian treasury. Sure, it's about the war, and it's it's uh, about Ukraine, and there's another country as well that which is it's about, which is Moldova, which is uh, highly likely to get attacked whenever Russia is finished with Ukraine, then Moldova could be the next one that gets attacked. And it's about looting that country as well. Well, and okay, and there's other people involved. Now, you say the Federal Reserve isn't involved, but if you look behind the scenes, the Federal Reserve is very heavily involved with this, these development banks, with the World Bank, with the IMF. Um, they're all connected. The World Bank, uh, or the, the, these development banks, the biggest shareholder is the United States. Um, the same families own the Federal Reserve that own the World Bank and the IMF. I mean, it's all connected in that way. The same shareholders behind the scenes. You don't, we don't know because we're never told 
who these shareholders are, but the fact that they're all based on the city of London really should give us an indication that there's more going on because whenever you put um, these or you put these businesses in a place where they have absolute immunity, you know it's a criminal enterprise. Well, sure. And it's it's a conspiracy on a level that I previously would have told you was impossible. If you told me That's that, right. you know, there's some secret circle of bankers who control the entire world, I would have laughed at you if you said this to me before my whistleblowing experience. That's right. But now that I actually have this experience, I see these people all help each other out. I think they even switch around jobs between the different institutions, between the European Central Bank and the EBRD. And uh, I mean, in the United States, maybe between the World Bank and the IMF and the Fed, uh, it's some kind of uh, mafia that is, uh, it's defrauding everybody, basically. And what they're doing is they're hiding the true extent of countries' national debts. And this just builds up a gigantic bubble. I mean, we see some of the problem right now. It's about money printing and it's about price inflation in the United States and Europe, which has gotten completely out of control now. But one of the reasons for that is because of this uh, solution that these development bankers have to every problem, which is just to, uh, if a government is completely corrupt and incompetent and is losing a lot of money, their solution is not to crack down on the corruption, but rather to help the company, uh, the country to issue more and more bonds so they can uh, make their budget each year by borrowing more and more, which is like a time bomb. Well, and it seems like that's how they're kicking the can down the street is they're doing this and they're playing all these smoke and mirror games, but eventually the whole system's going to crash down. But me, I think, and I don't know if you've come to the same conclusions that they're trying to loot the system as much as possible and maybe even speeding up the collapse. I don't know, maybe, or maybe not, maybe they're lengthening the collapse by doing this, but they're trying to loot the system as much as possible before the collapse so that they're better positioned. Well, that's part of it. Although I will say that there's something tricky about all of this is when somebody decides to do something and they decide to do something which is highly destructive, it's it's hard to tell sometimes if the person did that because they are actually a malicious person or if it's because they just don't understand economics and they think they're helping, but they're not really helping. And yeah, a classic example of this is if a country is completely corrupt and has way too much debt already, and you help them to borrow even more money while they don't tackle the corruption problem at all, uh, then I would say that this clearly makes the situation worse. But some people might honestly think that this makes the situation better, that this is like a rescue, or what is actually a rescue and what is not a rescue is always a question. This is like with the IMF with Ukraine, where the IMF keeps lending more and more and more to Ukraine every year. And whenever the loan comes due, Ukraine can never pay it back again. And the IMF solution is always to just make the loan bigger and bigger and bigger forever. Uh, in bank lending, I, I mean, I was a bank lender myself. Uh, you're not allowed to have a bad loan on your books and then solve the problem by just making the loan larger every year. Like every year when the borrower cannot pay off the loan, you just make him even a larger loan to uh, refinance the previous loan plus the interest due on the previous loan so that the loan just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. You're supposed to write it off. You're supposed to admit at some point that this is not going to be paid back and write it off. I would say that pretty much all the loans made by the IMF and by the EBRD to Ukraine should be written off. Uh, those institutions should announce that they've lost an enormous amount of money by making all these loans to Ukraine. I would say it's their own fault because they 
generally knew that the money was being stolen, that they were lending to Ukraine. And I don't think ordinary taxpayers in Ukraine should be responsible for paying back loans where the money went to oligarchs and didn't really go to the ordinary people anyway. But uh, as to who is doing this because they just don't know what they're doing and who is doing this because they're purposely trying to cause as much damage as possible, I'm not sure. Or it's like a Soviet intelligence thing, or I should say a Russian intelligence thing, that they look for these kinds of situations. Okay, there's a situation- Because they can take advantage of them? They can take advantage of it, right. So if you have people who think a certain way, I mean, it used to be, uh, for example, with the people who were the unilateral disarmament people in the United States, that the KGB agents were all over this. They thought, oh, this is great. There are certain people in the United States who believe in unilateral uh, disarmament, and we're going to support those groups, and we're going to try to make those groups as strong as possible. And it's not because the KGB really is against nuclear weapons. They love nuclear weapons. It's it's more that they just wanted to take advantage of these people that they believed a certain thing, and then to harness this for, for the Soviets' own needs, which was to try to get the United States to unilaterally disarm. Um, but it's, it's sort of a similar thing with this. I suppose that if the if the Russian intelligence people realize that there's a flaw in the thinking of the development bankers, that this is something that they can harness and they can do a lot of damage to a lot of countries with this. Well, but the, I have a, um, I don't, I think because they're in the city of London, I think they there's a certain amount of people that know what the heck they're doing. I don't believe that these, that everyone is ignorant. So like you're saying, who, what the agendas are, I think there's a lot of people that are ignorant and buy into the propaganda. But I think at a certain point, there's a lot of people that really do know what they're doing. So it's a combination. There's always multiple agendas, isn't there? And disarming, like the Russian KGB wanting to disarm, well, it's like, well, that's a good thing, but yet they're also using, it's like they always do. They use the charities against the cause that they're actually trying to promote, even though the charity's mission is good. Right. Yeah, they can harness this. They can like twist it around and accomplish the opposite of what's supposed to be That's going right. on. And with an organization like the EBRD has 3,000 employees, I could just put forth a guess that from 3,000 employees, there's maybe 100 people who really understand what's going on there, who understand true. that it's a scam, and that the rest of the people, the other 2,900 employees, probably are clueless. They probably believe their own propaganda about how they're saving the world. And, uh, you know, maybe they don't feel any guilt at all about this. Or if they would see an article showing that the EBRD is protecting Russian money launderers, that they would say, well, that's impossible because our bank where we work is, uh, you know, a force for good in the world that we're working on democracy. So how could we possibly be doing that? And then they sort of block out the evidence. But there are some people at the top for sure who do know what they're That's doing right. and who are really causing a lot of damage. That's right. And they and it's like you don't even believe it yourself until you get into and a lot of people are waking up to this because they're seeing so much evidence now. And I would say back in 2015, 2014 is when I started to realize what was really I started my journey. Right. And it, it's amazing how far you go and you realize that there is this conspiracy that is happening i don't know if it's people that are locked into kind of a bad situation and they just keep pro you know keeping it going but there are some bad guys and they just take advantage of the the situation now let's get into john Kerry and his his connections because it's all connecting to this whole green new deal and the, the whole sham that they have going on with that john Kerry's a big deal 
in that world because he, first of all, he was the one from the United States that represented the United States signing the Paris Climate Treaty, of which Biden immediately got us into when Trump got us out again. It's it's their one of their most important agendas, and then the climate change thing. He's the czar, if you will. The what are the his official name is the United States Special Presidential Envoy for Climate under Biden. But yeah, he's involved in all this this corruption at these banks, and you're connecting it to what they're doing. Can you explain that? Yeah. Well, I can. First of all, I'll explain what. I was aware of um, up to a certain point. And then there's more that came out with this recent documentary that I'm gonna mention. But what I was aware of is that one of the successors to Parex Bank, after there was this fraudulent sale of a stake in Parex Bank to the EBRD, one of the successors is called Citadele Bank. That's also in Latvia. And that also is partly owned by the EBRD and a document from Eurostat, which is the European Official Statistics Bureau, indicates uh, something which the Latvian government never mentioned and something not mentioned in the Citadelle annual reports, that the EBRD investment in Citadelle Bank is fake because it's subject to a secret reversion that is going to be reverted later and at a automatic profit to the EBRD, regardless of whether the bank collapses or not. It's similar to what they did at Parex. So the government did that first, and then the government owned the other part of Citadelle Bank, but was under pressure to privatize that also so that the bank would be completely privatized. They sold the other part of Citadelle Bank to an investor chosen by the EBRD. This investor did not make the highest offer for the rest of the bank, but the EBRD pressured Latvia to sell the remaining part of the bank to a particular person. And this particular person is named Tim Collins, and he's an American billionaire. <clears throat> Excuse me. His company that he founded is called Ripplewood. He's a famous investor. I mean, he's a billionaire. So his company is called Ripplewood. And he's also on the board of directors of Citigroup. So this person, Tim Collins, announced that he bought the other part of, uh, of Citadel Bank. Now, something which I wonder about is if he really bought it or if that's another uh, fake privatization, just like the EBRD was, where he secretly got the money from the Latvian government to invest. So he didn't really invest his own money or where there's a secret reversion coming up. So it's more like a loan to the government rather than an investment in the bank. And if the bank collapses, he doesn't really lose anything. You know what, so though? They, I got to correct you or not correct you. I got to add to it. That is a pattern they did. That's how they started the Federal Reserve back in 1913. They didn't even put any money in. They had the government put their own money in. It was this whole sham. And so what you're saying right now is something they do on a regular basis, or at least- Oh, sure. And it's again, it's buying it. a shareholder. I mean, it's the same like if you have a company and you think, uh, oh, it'd be great if Elon Musk would buy 10% of my company because that'd be really good for my reputation. And suppose you asked Elon and he said, no way, I'm not interested in investing in that. And he said, uh, how about uh, I'll just give you the 10% for free? Or even better than that, if you told him, uh, listen, if you invest 1 million, then I'll secretly give you 2 million, something like that, where you're buying the name of the investor because you're trying to buy respectability for your company by getting a famous investor involved. And since the famous investor is not interested in your company, the only way you could get him would be by secretly paying him to pretend to invest. And this is fraud. I mean, hopefully Elon Musk wouldn't do something like that because he would get arrested. But with the EBRD, somehow they do this. 
and they spin it as you know rescues and that they're altruists and they're working on democracy and it's not really true but it, it does fool a lot of people so that that's what the ebrd did now the question is if tim collins was the same way uh if he also did not really invest and his investment was sort of paid for and this does show the power of billionaires because if you are a famous billionaire with a good reputation and people want you to be a shareholder so badly that you don't even have to buy the shares, that they give the shares to you or even pay you Jeez. to take the shares, um, but they don't present it that way in the media. It could be some situation like this. So another important thing that happened when Tim Collins became uh, an investor alongside the EBRD is in Latvia, none of the Latvian banks are able to have a United States dollar correspondent account. Now, this is the- What does that mean? Okay, a correspondent account allows you to make payments in a foreign currency. So uh, for Latvia, the United States dollar is a foreign currency. So they cannot themselves, uh, like through the European Central Bank, they cannot make uh, dollar payments. So in order for them, for any Latvian bank to make payments in dollars, they need to have a correspondent account with an American bank that processes the dollar transfers. Okay. Um, Citadelle is the only bank in Latvia which has one of these accounts. I mean, the other banks all got banned because Latvia has a mafia reputation for years and for not prosecuting people or not investigating money laundering. So the American banks are afraid to make a US dollar correspondent account for any other bank in Latvia. But Citibank did actually make a US dollar correspondent account for Citadelle Bank. And it could be because one of the owners of Citadelle Bank is this Tim Collins, who's also on the board of Citigroup. So maybe he asked his own bank to uh, make this co correspondent account. This is extremely important for money laundering because if the Putin regime has an enormous amount of dollars going around the world, then they need to have these correspondent accounts to put the dollars through so that they can transfer the dollars to other people. And uh, so this could be the whole reason why they needed to attract these particular shareholders, because since uh, Citadelli can boast that, yeah, our shareholders, one of them is the EBRD, which is this pro-democracy development bank, and the other shareholder is this highly respectable philanthropist, this Tim Collins, who, uh, you know, is American, he's not Russian, so uh, that they don't look like they're a Russian bank. And then if they get the correspondent account like they did, then they can run a lot of Russian money through, I mean, dollars owned by Russian people, they can run a lot of that through the correspondent account. So this is um, this is a big thing, of course, and should be addressed because uh, since it's known that the EBRD investment in Citadelli is fake and secretly reversible, somebody should ask Tim Collins if his investment is also similar to the EBRD. And then another good question would be to ask him, do the compliance people at, Citi at Citibank do they know that the shareholding is actually fake? I mean, did they provide this correspondent account on the understanding that the real shareholders are actually the EBRD and Tim Collins, even if they're really not because they didn't really put their money at risk and it's really a Latvian government thing? Uh, because if Citibank really understood that, I don't think they would have made this correspondent account. And even another thing, which is we're going to get to this video soon and then also to uh, the John Kerry angle. There were two more similar ones where uh, the EBRD also is part owner of a uh, a bank in Armenia and a bank in Cyprus, which are both partly owned by top Kremlin money launderers. And those banks also have US dollar correspondent accounts with Citibank. So it seems to be maybe a racket between the EBRD and Tim Collins and Citibank 
to set up US dollar correspondent accounts for banks that are connected with the Kremlin, uh, with the disguise being that these banks appear to be respectable because they have certain shareholders who seem to be respectable institutions or people. Okay, so it's just, it's the way they disguise all this stuff and it's a propaganda. They've really mastered how they do all this. Okay, now let's talk about John Kerry's involvement and because you've really dug into this. It's incredible what you have. Well, yeah, all the, these these Russians are tricky for sure. But <laughs> anyway. Uh, but it's not just the Russians that are tricky. It's the the city of London and these these development banks and the Oh, there's IMF people in Washington and, and London who are responsible and for Washington, this as well. Sally Painter, who's like a, is a, helps the mafia banks get good reputations. I mean, it's just all over the place. Oh, sure. There's plenty of Americans and British involved in this as well. So the the newest thing is 